The Bucks return to practice on Monday. We'll tell you who was wearing the black shirts and what that means. And has Justin Watson taken over the lead for the fifth receiver spot? You'll hear from the Penn rookie. The Rays, meanwhile, beat the Royals one to nothing. Willie Adamas drives in the lone run, and Ryan Yarbrough pitches well in the bullpen. Shuts out the Royals. And is Urban Meyer going to get off scot-free at Ohio State? Wow. All this and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Bursnick. Before we get started on this podcast, let me tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this podcast, you also get a free audiobook. Here's what you do. Go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Okay, Steve, so the Bucks returned to work. I was out there at One Buck Place. And, you know, when they have these sort of late games, they get in at 3 a.m. on Sunday morning. They had a day off. And then they practice Monday morning. Not a good practice, to say the least. And... A lot of guys injured. You know, they're trying to to deal with some of that. Something I had never seen until um, until Monday, which was some guys wearing the black shirts. And this is not the Nebraska black shirts, but black jerseys are guys that uh, they can practice, but they can't get hit. Uh, we have other guys that were not in black jerseys, but they're they're still fighting other other injuries. But they're you know they they might not be in team periods. Maybe they're individual only or they're walkthrough only, something like that. So uh, you know we're just at that point in camp where we've had a lot of hitting and we've had two games, and you know we we have a number of guys that have have issues that they're dealing with, and we we just have to keep working through it. MJ Stewart and Jordan Whitehead, both of those guys, although they were practicing non-contact sort of things, and then you had. Um, you know, overall it was kind of, a, it was a quick, it was a quick practice. They did, they did some, you know, seven on seven, uh, a few 11 on 11 drills, but basically not a lot of hitting, not a lot of anything going on. It was kind of a, kind of a dull practice, but they got some guys hurt and particularly at, at the defensive backs. And so they're trying to get these guys through it. Of course, the third preseason game is the one that you're going to see most of the starters play into the the second half if you will come back out in the third period and we talked to Dirk Cutter after practice and he acknowledged that you know what this was not their best effort uh it was a little choppy today I think I think uh, uh, traditionally my experience is you get back at three o'clock in the morning after that second preseason game Sunday off that that first practice back is is it doesn't it's not an excuse. I mean, we don't want it to be that way, but, I mean, it was probably typical of that. So one of the position battles is going to be the wide receiver spot. Of course, we know who the top four are, but the, the fifth spot, and maybe six, depending on special teams, is tight. And I think that, you know, the kid from Penn, Justin Watson, has really sort of separated himself. Of course, he had a, a nice game on Saturday, the 21-yard touchdown reception right before the first half was uh was a thing of beauty and if you look at him you know he's he's six foot three 215 pounds or so a big receiver very like mike evans if you will and right now um if you're going to handicap this thing you have bobo wilson the the kid from florida state who was you know on the team last year he's been hurt so he's not on the field freddie martino who has always been 
somebody that Dirk Cutter can rely on. Um, another guy that, you know, is a good special teams player. Um, he's battling for that last spot. And then Bernard Reedy, who's been a kick returner for them and a guy that has been around for a year or so. But, Steve, I really think that, that Watson has separated himself um, just not only in practice but obviously the game. And we had a chance to talk to Justin Watson about his first NFL touchdown, and here's what he had to say about it. Take us through sort of – I know we talked to you a little bit after the game, but uh, the, the play that um, Jameis extends and, and he throws what looked like a dime. Just take, take us through that play and the touchdown. Yeah, you know, it was uh, third down and 19 seconds on the clock, so, you know, knew we either had to get in the end zone or get out of bounds and uh, got in the huddle and he called go routes on the outside. Um, you know, so I knew my route was going to be live and he was going to be looking. Uh, we got a cloud look and, you know, it's a tough throw for any quarterback uh, putting in the hole, but, you know, cover two, but uh, unbelievable ball and saw it in the air and just, you know, try to go up and make a play on it. Preseason, but your first NFL touchdown, I know you were excited. What, what is that like? How much people have you heard from back at Penn and everywhere else? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, like I said, you're excited whether you catch touchdown in practice or if it's preseason or anywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was cool to see the response. You know, a lot of people reaching out on social media and, and a lot of my Penn family uh, really excited to see uh, one of their guys, you know, succeeding in the NFL. You got a bit of an earful from one of your coaches late in practice today. Can you tell us a little bit about that exchange? Uh, yeah, I think it was just a communication thing. That's going to be really big for us. Uh, you know, we do a lot of checks the line and you know we got a deep receiving group so we're going to be subbing in and out so just communication communication can be huge for us how much have you learned from guys like mike and sean oh a lot um you know but the number of snaps those guys have taken in nfl games is unbelievable so they've seen just about everything and uh both of them been in this offense before so uh yeah in the film room they've done a great job of uh coaching us rookies up you know mike and i think are pretty similar receivers as far as liking to use our size so he's really helped me out trying to, trying to play bigger uh, even now, talking about that touchdown, we see a smile. Was that moment, you know, it's something you dream of? Was it? How was it compared to how you imagined it? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's hard to ever imagine yourself, you know, on an NFL stage catching a touchdown. Um, but it was everything you could could have asked for, you know, celebrating with your teammates, you know, guys being excited for you, uh, you know, running the two-minute drill and, and scoring at the end of it. You know, you can't draw it up any better than that. When you look at the competition in that room, you know, you got a lot of the veterans and, and some good young players. How how do you keep focused on on just you know, doing your job and, and not looking at the big picture. Yeah, I think that competition is what's driving all of us to keep our focus. You know, uh, we got a deep receiving room. You know, we got those top four guys who are unbelievable, and then our next couple are really talented too. And uh, uh, just pushing each other in practice. You know, we're a tight knit group, even though, like you said, that competition. You know, we're always filling each other up and then pushing each other, and it's just been a really healthy competition throughout camp. Were, were, did you were you a big teams guy in your career at all? I mean, I know that's how you're gonna make your mark and, and make a roster spot here. Yeah, uh, coming from a smaller school, you know, they, they didn't put me on too many special teams after my freshman year. But, right. yeah, it's something that I always took seriously. You know, in college, I was always in the special teams room, uh, making sure those guys were, were staying on point. And, you know, it's something I know is going to be a huge part of my career, especially this first year. What's the biggest adjustment at this level when you're facing those kind of guys every, every week? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I get to see it in practice, which helps a lot. But it's just every rep um, continuing to improve. And, and if you're not going to get a ball one play setting up your next route you know it's, it's got to be always thinking you know each routes that you put on uh, film's got to count yeah game two definitely felt a lot more natural felt like uh, football again and I think you know extra week of practice and extra week of getting in the playbook helped a lot but uh you know like you said getting those first game jitters out of the way a little bit helped and uh second one you know Saturday night felt like you know football again to me and Friday night your first game here at home 
Uh, you've been thinking about that a lot? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm excited to see uh, Ray J show it up. You know, I've heard a lot about it from the older guys, but uh, we're excited to light it up on Friday night. So the Bucks uh, will have their third preseason game, and, and this is the one that matters the most, right? It's the, it's the preseason opener at Raymond James, and, and that's a good thing because fans will get to see the starters play into the third quarter. Uh, and But what I don't know, and I, I would assume that this is what's going to happen, is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the Bucks starter right now. He's the backup come starter now with Jameis being out for three weeks. And so you would expect him to play at least a half and maybe come out after halftime. The problem is, is that it's twofold. Okay, one, he didn't play very well last Saturday. Um, and, you know, it was 5 of 13, you know, led them to a field goal, missed some throws. He said he left some, some you know, some passes on the field. I think we mentioned this the other night. I think this is what you get with a backup quarterback. It's it's the inconsistency, and Fitzpatrick still needs the reps. He still needs the guy that you have to prepare. But they have Jameis, and this has been an issue throughout the entire training camp: is how you manage to get three guys ready. And I think this is the game that is going to kind of show how difficult that is because. Fitz has to play with the starting offensive line, the starting offense, and they and this is the last time that you will see him in the preseason. The next time he plays is going to be against the Saints in opening week. So, you know, his last bite of the apple before it really happens. And yet Jameis will probably – I'm guessing – I mean, I don't know if he's going to play in the final preseason game. That's usually for guys, you know, that aren't going to make the team or – you know, maybe you give Ryan Griffin the whole game, that kind of thing. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be hard to get him in this game because for an extended period, because your offensive line is going to play maybe into the third quarter, maybe a series or so. So when does Jameis come in? You know, does does Fitz come back after halftime? Does Jameis, you know, get some time in the first half? I think this is going to be. It has been a problem, and in fact, when you talk to Dirk Cutter, he says this has been an issue throughout in the entire training camp, and it's going to be an issue in this game as well. It's good and bad to have Fitzpatrick because on the one hand, he's played 14 years for seven different teams, but on the other hand, he's 35 years old, and how effective can he be at this point in his career? So if you're Dirk Cutter, you can't like overreact to a bad quarter, which is what, you know, essentially he had in Tennessee. And, you know, yet Fitzpatrick, you know, the separation between him and Winston, I think, was obvious in that game. Winston lit it up. Fitzpatrick was very pedestrian at best. He needs a good performance in this third game. He needs to, you know, to show that he can be consistent and instill some confidence before they play their first game at New Orleans. But I'll say this about Dirk is that, you know, he's a realist. Um, you know, if you ask him how how Fitzpatrick played, he does not mince words. In fact, here's what Dirk Cutter had to say about Fitzpatrick and how he played against the Titans. Fitz was not as sharp as he was in Miami, but he's he's been uh, very consistent throughout training camp. So the Bucks will resume practice on uh, this morning. Of course, I'll be at One Buck Place. You can always check out the updates on Tampa Bay 
Football.com. Speaking of football, Steve, and <laughs> this is coming down. It's coming down fast. Ohio State about to release their report, I guess. Uh, they're going to meet at well, well, 9 let's, Hold on, hold on. Let's, they're not going to release a report. Let's first oh, of they're all, not. Let's first of all get that straight. And I heard Brett McMurphy today saying that the law firm has finished the investigation. They wrapped that up on Sunday. They have yeah, the, the preordained two-week investigation that was not, you know, going to overturn every rock, but in fourteen days. Correct. That's correct. Yeah, that investigation is concluded. They have informally okay. met with the board to brief them that they have their the investigation is done. The mm-hmm. board has now, for the open meetings request law, have to give at least twenty four hours notice for a meeting. So they've now issued a. Uh, that they'll be meeting Wednesday at 9 a.m., the 20-person board. It'll be a closed executive session where they will be briefed on this, at which point the president, uh, Michael Drake, can either issue a punishment, make decisions, or he can deliberate on it and decide at a future time what he wants to do with it. A couple things to note. There's not going to be a written report of the investigation. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. (laughs) Let me... Let me get this straight. So they investigated. Correct. And at at $1,620 an hour. For $1,620 an hour. For the law firm. Well, you it's know. It's going to be about $500,000. That's okay because they make $150 million a year. Yeah. So they're, they're going to investigate for two weeks. There's not a written report. Nobody put. Well, it's not put to say there isn't a written report. It will not be given to the university. Well, who the hell requested it? Well, there's a reason for it. If there's a written report that the university has, then freedom of information requests have to be honored, and you'd have to give out that report. So everything is being done verbally. Oh, my goodness. And Come appara- on. Apparently, Baylor did the same thing when With the Art Bryles investigation. That's that what so, I heard Brett McMurphy say today, who's the one who broke the initial story on all this. And the only reason to do that, so you know what the Freedom of Information Act is, that's that's when you know media or anyone mm-hmm. actually can request investigative material stuff that's within the government, because government is you know the sunshine laws that exist. No, it's a public institution. The, it's funded by public taxpayer dollars. Right. So you have the right to see where your dollars are going and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And and so by doing it verbally, they circumvent any kind of, of printed... There's nothing to... If you file a Freedom of Information request... There's nothing to turn over. There's not, yeah, exactly. Correct. Now, the law firm may have all the written stuff, but they're not a public entity. They're not bound to Freedom of Information request. And see, where's the transparency here? Well, there is like, none. Why... Why are you automatically trying to circumvent it so that there is absolutely no results that anyone else can judge? Mistake number one. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. So the meeting will be 9 a.m. Wednesday. At that time, President Michael Drake can decide to further suspend Urban Meyer. He's already been suspended for over two weeks as this investigation has gone on. Could determine to terminate Urban Meyer or as what two sources that told the Columbus Dispatch, the local paper at Ohio State, said that he most likely will be reinstated immediately. Oh, my Time God. served, two weeks suspension, as he's missed two weeks of practice. Yeah, right, practice. What are we talking about? Not the games, not the games I love. What are we talking about, practice? And, and the, the theory here is that he followed protocol. He reported this up the chain, 
and nothing happened. We don't know the reasons why. You asked two weeks ago when this came up and on this podcast, you asked me, could I see a scenario where he keeps his job? And I said, absolutely. You said you could, and I can't. I couldn't believe it then, and I can't believe it now. And, and I said the reason would be, and, and it might end up being the reason, we may never know, we might know, that he would throw Earl Bruce under the bus, who said Earl Bruce put pressure on to keep his son on the staff, or grandson on the staff, which is Zach Smith, the coach who's at the center of this, the assistant coach that was fired now. That's Earl Bruce's grandson, who's a, a former Ohio State coach. All right, just to uh, update on what is what the you know the investigative stuff that has come out through Brett McMurphy since all this went down. In addition, okay, to the domestic violence stuff, which is well documented, mm-hmm. and that Urban Meyer's wife knew about it, and presumably probably Urban too, he keeps Zach Smith on the staff, who also had a DUI that he didn't report. Who also? No, we, we, we don't know. We don't know if Urban knew about that DUI. Well, we don't, we don't know. know. We don't. And, he and, might. And have, in all he probability, have. he covered it up. But we know now. Yes. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over twenty years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Okay. Well, but he's already and been fired. And if, if I Urban found out now, it doesn't, I, you can't punish I him I understand he's been fired. My thing is this. You know, in in addition to that, um, supposedly, reportedly, when he went to the White House for the national championship (laughs) celebration, this guy took pictures of uh, private parts, if you will, in the Oval Office. Yes. Is from what I understand. There was also... um, Really, really, who hasn't done that? (laughs) Well, me... And others. I've been in the Oval Office. Seriously, I have. It's I, I. That's a whole story. That's a whole podcast. How Rick Stroud stood behind the desk uh, that were were. It was actually the desk that JFK used. Um, the famous was picture, that the Resolute course, desk, or is that the Resolute desk? Yeah, well, it was Lincoln's desk originally, okay. but but it, it became it became JFK's and then Clinton. Anyway, I've stood there, but I did not do that, and it's. <laughs> I mean, it's unfathomable the stuff that went on with this guy that that is now just coming to the fore. I just like the my I thing, like I like the one where he bought twenty two hundred dollars worth of sex toys and had them delivered to the campus. Thank you, twenty two hundred dollars worth. Who hasn't done that? I mean, you know, I mean, how do you explain it? So, all this stuff happened under Urban Meyer's watch, and he he went to bat for this guy. He put his reputation on the line for this guy, and now we're finding out more and more. How is there not some accountability? You're telling me that the two weeks off during the quote-unquote investigation is time served? Well, the, the, is- the question is, at the, at the bottom line is, what did Urban know, when did he know it, and what did he do about it? I'll tell you what he knew. He knew everything. But, well, That's what he knew. What if, what if he went to Gene Smith, whoever the president was at the time, uh, you know, and said... This, you know, he's done this. We got to make a change. And they said, yeah, Earl Bruce is putting pressure on. We don't want to rock that boat. 
we're not going to mm. we're not going to change. What what if that's what happened? I I have no I can I'm not telling you that is what happened. If that happened, how do you punish him? If he's doing what his superiors told him to do, uh, you you asked was, for a scenario, and like I said, I don't know that's what happened. I mean, that's one. I I just think that you know what Earl Bruce Woody Hayes, it doesn't matter. I mean, that, those guys are yeah. disgraced. And if that happens me, at that point, Gene Smith probably has to go the athletic director, and right. that could be a I result mean, of this. To me, how about you just do the right thing? How how about you just don't like one let one guy bring the entire program down and not not like he was an important guy. I mean, this is well, but you say you say bring the entire pro- but for three years he got away with it no one I knew know. about it no one and, and and you know brett mcmurphy didn't even know all the details when he asked about it at big 10 media days when urban lied about it you know he thought they were they, nobody was ever going to find out doesn't mean it right i'm not saying it's right i'm saying you know if he's been told no you can't do this no i don't know that's what he said i'm i'm it's a presumption at this point or the president is what? just scared of losing football games and well, that's the. I mean, the, there's only one reason to keep Urban Meyer. It's because you think he's going to win games for you. There's no other redeeming value, you know. And to me, man, what do you stand for? Well, the, the hard part is, is when this when this ends, whatever the decision is, whether they fire him, whether they reinstate him immediately, or maybe he misses a game, two, three, whatever it is. There's no transparency, so we don't know what happened. No. At this point, presumably, maybe maybe the university will just decide to release it, but we're not going to no one's going to know what happened and why this happened and how we can prevent it from happening again. Wow. I I mean this seems like such a whitewash, you know, just hey, nothing to see here kind of thing. And it's stunning to me. It's stunning. You know, he's been with this guy going back to Florida. And I'm sorry, but there should be some accountability. And it should be, to me, more than, quote-unquote, time served. I, I just don't uh, – I don't get it. Well, I, I, until Wednesday morning, and, and the decision could come out of that meeting, it may not. I mean, maybe people are wrong. Maybe the reports are – you know, the way they, they, they sort of set up is that they think Urban's going to get off – Scott free, right? That's what several people sources have said that he may be, you know, it may be a time served punishment. The Ohio State spokesman said he didn't dispute those sources, but called the statements reckless and said, let's have the meeting, let's get the info out there and let the president have time to decide what will happen. Time to now decide. That, well, that's what a spokesman's that's what a well, because I know. because the it's... president the president may get presented with the information Wednesday and not make a decision Wednesday. He doesn't right. have to. Right. Just because the the board has met and they're and the board members are giving their thoughts and input on it doesn't mean the president has to come out of there and say here's the decision. He could say let me take a couple of days. Let me ask you this. What's the what's going to be assuming that Meyer retains, you know, to, to be the head coach this year? What kind of pushback is going to be on this thing? That's a How good many qu- people are going Well, I think I think it's going to depend on what's said afterwards. I think it's going to depend on you know, does the athletic director lose his job over this? And they lay the blame at his feet? Whether rightfully or wrong. I mean, somebody's got to be accountable, right? I, I mean, somebody. I would, I would think so. So it, it kind of depends on what, what comes out of this. And we, and we may not know Wednesday. We may. And, and we'll see what, what everyone says about it. 
but it's but it's just it, not, it's been pretty quiet for the last two weeks. It has been. And my guess is there's some negotiating going on too with Urban. I would assume. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's leaving the program though. No, I, I at this point I I don't see him being fired. He might be suspended for a couple games. Wow. But I don't I don't think at this point I don't think unless there's something in the investigation that hasn't come out yet that we don't know. Right. Because the know. thing is based Pretty on amazing. based on his based on his statement of I reported it up and told, you know, my bosses, et cetera, et cetera. No one's really disputed that. No, that's true. I mean, you know, his statement was worded very carefully. But no, I just don't no know really how you it. allow a coach to go through what that guy did all those years and, and, and sort of, you know, at minimum have a blind eye to it, which you shouldn't have had. Well, I guess we'll know soon enough. I mean, we will. You know, and the season, it, speaking of that, the season gets underway. right around the corner. Next yeah. weekend, the Associated Press poll came out uh, on Monday. Ohio mm-hmm. State is fifth. Mm-hmm. Maybe they slipped a little bit because people aren't sure if Urban Meyer was going to be the or coach we, or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alabama's number one. Clemson's number two. Georgia three. Wisconsin four. There is uh, five Big Ten teams in the top 14. There is four SEC schools in the top, I want to say, 18. So nine of the top eighteen are Big Ten or SEC. Yeah, I don't, you know that's I don't disagree. Wisconsin's supposed to be good this year. Wisconsin's loaded. My wife went there, so that that'll be fun. But um, yeah, it's uh, and and not in the top twenty-five. Well, University if, of South Florida, right? South Florida did not get a vote. Mm. Miami's the highest-ranked school in Florida at eight. Florida State is nineteenth in Willie Taggart's first season. And UCF will begin their national title defense ranked twenty first. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew that. Did they? They got the rings, right? They got the rings. Yes, We're good. Yes, yes. yes. And, <laughs> we and, had the ring ceremony. And Florida <laughs> yes. uh, got other vo- receiving votes. They ended up twenty seventh in the poll. Oh wow! So just outside the top. Yep. And F- so, FAU is uh, let's see, 27, 28, 29, 30. FAU is thirtieth. FAU and they play uh, a big game at UCF this year, right? Yes, FAU does. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that'll be a barn burner. That'll be maybe for the national championship. Yeah, uh, very, very well could be early in the season. I wonder if game day is going to be there. <laughs> Lane Kiffin. That'd be kind of cool if they were actually. Yeah, one day they might they, get. I love it when they go to like the Division two or Division three schools or yeah. whatever the Ivy League. Uh, in those weeks where there's not really a lot of big uh, division, you know, there are, what do they call them? Right. F. Uh, I guess FFC, it's F- FBS or yeah, some, FBS. Yeah. yeah. For the bowl Something series, like yeah, that. football bowl series or whatever. Right, right. Idaho State, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, well, hey, I mean, I'm not surprised where Clemson is. I'm not surprised where, you know, Alabama is and, and those teams. Um, I'm still interested to see who has a better year, Florida State or Florida. I'm guessing this year it'll be Florida State. Um, but in the long term, I feel pretty good about Florida too. It's gonna be so in Florida. We'll St- Florida State's athletic director just left. I saw that he took a He's job going to the NCAA. Yeah, right, took a job with the NCAA. So the, the guy who hired Willie Taggart brought Willie Taggart to town has left, or will be leaving Florida State. Right. So it'll be interesting how that'll shake up that university long term and see how that does. Yeah. Well, he's not going to Texas A and M, so that's a good thing. Well, yes, yes. But um, yeah, so lots of college football coming up. I mean, we got all of that, and. Um, 
I'm I'm ready for college football. I am. Yeah. I'm ready for pro football too. Unfortunately, we got two more weeks before we kick it off. Uh, you know, where yeah. we start preparing. Well, you, you do have a couple college games this weekend. It's not really uh, major colleges, but you got I think four of them on Saturday. And then a week, a, a, week from thir- a week from Thursday as the NFL is wrapping up their preseason, that's when you start getting more college games going. Yeah. To me, when college game day is on on Saturday mornings mm-hmm. and they're talking about I mean, that's 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 when I know college football is back. That's that's the bomb for sure. Saturday, uh, September 1st, college game day will be in South Bend. Uh, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I love it. Yep. Michigan love at Notre Dame. Day. You're big blue. I am. Is Notre Dame any good this year? Because they were good last they're, year. They are ranked 13th. Or no, I'm sorry, twelfth and Michigan's fourteenth. So that should be a good game. Yeah. Jimmy needs to win some big games. Let me just tell you. My good friend Jimmy Harbaugh, if you want to pick up Jimmy did, well, Brian names. Kelly needs to at Notre Dame too, so <laughs> Yeah, well. <laughs> I mean, he's fine. He's not going anywhere. Mm, those fans I, are starting to get a little restless. You really think so? Oh yeah. Uh, all right. I think he's a pretty good coach, but oh, I think he's a good I coach, love- but he's got a tough schedule this year too. But they always have a tough schedule. They're Notre yeah. Dame. A lot of so times they're do. playing, you know, the Boston colleges and the service team. Navy's right? been get. better of late, so that helps their schedule. And, but when, yeah, when they yeah. play the USC's and the Michigans and Michigan states. Well, I'm just glad that Ohio State will have Urban Meyer and no excuses if they don't win this year. My goodness, that's an unbelievable story. Meanwhile, um, you of course were uh, familiar with what the Rays did, winning one to nothing over the Kansas City Royals. This team, all of a sudden, Steve. They got lights out pitching. 23 I mean, scoreless even, innings. Think about that. 23 in the major league scoreless innings. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. For yeah, Ryan Yarbrough pitched really well on Monday night. Uh, Ryan Stanek came in late in the game where he often struggles. and he Where he has struggled before. Yeah, yeah. He gave a couple base runners up, but he got out of the inning and didn't give up any runs. Mm-hmm. Jose Alvarado got the save. So right. that, was, that was good to see. I think his fifth save on the season. Hunter yeah. Wood started. His, was okay. Yeah, Alvarado's confidence is coming back. You know, he he uh, the other day they put him in and he threw three straight balls and ended up striking out the side, which was a mm-hmm. huge comeback for him. If if his if his confidence is there and he's pounding the strike zone, he can be unhittable. Mm-hmm. I mean, his stuff is really good. He could be the closer of the future. I mean, yeah. Diego Castillo's the same way too. If he can just you know yeah, have confidence absolutely. to throw strikes, absolutely. I mean, those guys have just plus plus fastballs and power arms and I think that's what wins in the major leagues these days so and Kevin Kiermeyer um, went three for four on Monday night he had stunning. a couple really good at bats early in the game I thought you know his first at bat he just uh, took a, a pitch kind of inside and took it right to went the uh, other right way? field no went to right field on that one. Oh, he went to right that's yep. him yeah just hit it right over the first and second baseman kind of over their heads in front of the right fielder and then the right. se- his second at bat it was kind of a low and outside pitch he just took it the other way right down the left field line really good approaches at the play he got picked off on that one after he yeah, got the double, I mean, but what, whatever. Um, but that's the approach he should take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought I thought his approach was much better, and he went three for four in the game. So that's always yeah. a good sign. foul line to foul line. I mean, if you can do that, yep. then you know, foul line to foul line, use your speed. And, impossible and to defend. G Man Choi lays down a bunt. <laughs> he stole a base on Sunday. Becoming, he gets a bunt I single know. on on Monday. No, granted, the it's shift awesome. was on, and there was nobody down the third baseline, which is why he did it. But. Kind of a big guy, and it just love the way he just keeps doing this stuff and playing, playing like he's small, playing small ball for yep. a big guy, which is cool. Um, so Willie Adamas had the uh, the infield single, and he got the lone RBI. I guess that that play was reviewed, and so yeah, he was called out uh, at initially, and then they reviewed it, and he did beat the throw. 
So one hustle play gets you the run mm-hmm. that you need to win the game with. That's which is awesome. Um, so yeah, so good for the Rays, and they they continue this homestand against Kansas City, and um, should be able to do okay. I mean, they should be yeah. able to like you know get some. They got some three padding. more. Three more against Kansas City, who's not a very good team. So. You'd hope right. to you'd hope to win three out of four in that series is what you really hope for in there. Yeah, build some some games over five hundred. Yeah, there are three games over five hundred right now because then you got Boston coming to town this weekend. So, all right, that'll be a tough series. So um, busy uh, busy week, of course. The Bucks preparing to play their home opener on uh, Friday against the Detroit Lions, and so we'll have all the preparations for that this week and uh, lots to talk about with the Bucks as well as. The Rays continuing their series against Kansas City. And uh, college football, man, it's going to be really something to see how Ohio State navigates this whole thing with Urban Meyer. I think regardless of what they do, there'll be a lot of pushback in college football. And I don't think that Urban's reputation is going to not take a hit. I think he's going to take a hit for this. But, look, stranger things have happened. I mean, if he prevails and they have a really good program and they go on to – I was going to say he makes he Big makes 10. the college football playoff this year. Yeah, all and, is forgiven. Mm-hmm. And he'll use this like knowing Herb, he'll be like, "This will somehow galvanize, you know, his football team, or he'll become emboldened by it." And uh, I still say, my my friend Brett McMurphy, what a reporting job he has done all through this whole thing. He's been on top of everything, and um, it's it's a big story and one that. Doesn't look like it's going to end the way I anticipated. It's remarkable that they may go that way, but we'll see what happens. So we'll follow all of that this week. And, of course, we love your interaction. We love the fact that a lot of people are listening to this podcast, and we're here every day, Monday through Friday. And you can always reach us and tell us what you like, what you don't like. Um, reach us on Twitter, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. As always, Please, if you get a chance to rate and review this podcast. Yeah, you can do that anywhere you listen to the podcast, whether you're using third-party apps, maybe you use Google Play or iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or iHeartRadio. Uh, just uh, hit the subscribe button so it downloads to your mobile device every day. If you like the post, that always helps us. Better yet, share it with a friend. Tell them about it. And if you'd like to advertise, say you have a business, you need to reach some people and drive some business to you. We'll contact our sales manager, Monica Boyer. Her number is 813-957-0836. 813-957-0836. And if you can't remember that number, just reach out to Rick or myself and we'll get you in touch. I'll be at One Buck Place. Of course, we got Rays, we got Bucks, we got college football, all of that that we will follow on Tuesday. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.